Father God, Lord, we know, Lord, that we must decrease for you to increase, Lord. And Father God, we know, Lord. So Father God, we're asking, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, the things that need to decrease in us, Lord. Father God, the things that are not of you, Lord, the things that are flesh and the things that are carnal. Father God, the things that are hopeless, Father God, we just ask right now, Lord, that things would decrease in us, Lord. And you, Lord Jesus, that you would increase and you would increase. Father God, we say to you, Lord, that we want to please you, Lord, with our faith, Lord. And Father God, we declare over our lives and over your body today, Lord, that your grace is sufficient, Lord. Father God, for every situation in our lives, we say to you today, Lord, in absolute faith, Lord, that your grace is sufficient, Lord. And Father God, we want to thank you, Lord, right now, Lord, that you are manifesting your power in our weakness. And we say, Lord, do not stop, Lord. Do not stop, Lord, what you are doing, Father God, in the house, what you are doing in us, Lord. We want to say, Lord Jesus, that you are so precious to us, Father God. Oh, Lord, we want to be like those ancients of old, Lord, like Abraham, Lord, who simply obeyed when you called him. Father God, when you call us, Lord, Father God, would we too step out in faith, Lord? Father God, where you're calling us to even walk on water, Father God. Lord, would you, Father God, even increase our faith, Lord, that we would walk where you are calling us, Lord, and we would walk in faith, Lord. Father God, I'm asking, Lord, for the increase of faith, Lord. Lord, we want those gates wide open. And Father God, it is faith that praises you, Lord. It is our faith that glorifies you, Lord. So we say, Lord, with everything in us, bless you, Lord, all our soul, Lord, everything that is in us, Lord, we bless you today. Father God, and open those gates, Lord. Be glorified here in our midst, Lord. And Father God, we say, Lord, we are not satisfied. We say, Lord, we are thankful. We say, Lord, our hearts overflow with gratitude. But Lord, we have a holy dissatisfaction. Father God, we want more of you, Lord. We want more of your fire and more of your Holy Spirit power, Lord. We say we want more, Lord. Lord Jesus, we cry out with every part of us, Lord. We lift up your body and we lift up your church. Father God, across the coast and across this nation, Father God, and we say, Lord Jesus, that we want more and more of you, Lord, more of your life, more of your love, more of your truth, more of your power and more of your spirit, Lord. Father God, we will not be silent. Father God, we will not stop and we will not cease. We say to you today, Lord, that we will love you with all of our strength, with all of our mind, with all of our heart, and with all of our soul, Lord, because you are worthy, Lord. You are so worthy, Lord. And we declare, Lord Jesus, that you are so, so worthy, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for every soul in the house and every soul that is listening, Father God. And Lord, we ask that you would touch what needs to be touched today, Lord, in our hearts, 
in our physical bodies, Lord. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are forgiving even now, Lord. Every sin that we confess and repent of, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you cleanse us, Lord, with your blood, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that you touch every disease and you heal, Father God. I thank you, Lord, that you touch the disease of disobedience and you heal, Father God. I thank you, Lord, right now by your Holy Spirit power that you are touching parts of our body, Father God, that are under attack. Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit healing anointing right now in this room. Father God, oh Lord Jesus, be glorified. Be so glorified, Lord. Father God, we say, Lord, we are your people. We are your nation. We are in covenant with you, Father God, to the ends of our days. And we want to bless you and we want to celebrate you, Lord, by your blood, Lord, that you're in covenant with every single one of your children. Be blessed, Lord. Quietly hand out the elements. We're going to take communion. You can be seated. We're going to share around the Lord's table. As you prepare, I'm just going to read a scripture from 1 Corinthians 11. When Jesus had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Last week I, speak about, I spoke about the danger in communion of taking it in an unworthy manner, in a just a religious, contemptuous manner, just something we do every week. And in that attitude, you bring judgment on yourself, correction, chastening. And here Jesus is speaking about um, the importance, verse 29, he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And you say, well, what is the Lord's body? It was crucified for us on the cross. No, the Lord's body in this context is we are the body of Christ. It's the fellowship of believers. It's the family of God. He is the head, seated in heavenly places, and we are his feet, his elbow, his ankles. We are the body of Christ. And when this was written, it was written to the church in Corinth who were notoriously divided and notoriously individualistic 
and self-centered. And it says in verse 20 that when they came together to eat, in eating each one takes his own supper ahead of others. One is hungry and another is junk. It says when they came together, verse 19, they were seeking recognition. And because they were coming and just, you know, the rich would get to the, it was like a potluck dinner they had after church and the rich would get there early and the poor would come and there'd be nothing left. And so this group of believers in Corinth were, they were praying in tongues, they were prophesying, all the spiritual gifts were manifesting, but they were notoriously self-centered. And they were notoriously self-seeking, and they were seeking recognition, and the thing speaks about factions, verse 19, verse 18, divisions. And when we come to take the Lord's Supper, you know, we all have preferences. We all have individual preferences. But we are meant to discern the body. We are meant to discern how someone is who's sitting next to me. It's not just about me and my faith trip, me and inheriting my promises. We are meant to look at Matt and say, how does it look like he's going? Is there a way, if he's in trouble, I could alleviate his suffering? That is there a way I could share what I have to help somebody else? Is there a way that my gift could help alleviate someone else's problem? Philippians 2, verse 3 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition, but in lowliness of mind, each esteem others better than himself. And here it is, let each of you look out, not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. We all have preferences, we all have our own interests, and you naturally look out for your own, but we've got to be careful that we don't become a people that are coming here all faithed up, all believing the promise of God, but it's all just about me and mine. We are the family of God, and we are meant to witness to the world by how we care, share, and love one another. So it's really important that we don't end up on an individual, you know, the, the great weakness in the Western church, it's so individualistic. It's so... Me and my, we're so focused on the individual rather than the corporate. But Christianity has never been like that. Christianity is a corporate. It is, Christ died not just for me, he died for the church. His great passion is not just me, it's for the church. It's for the church together, the church gathered where we become powerful. And he wants us to have the same attitude that he has towards the church. And so, you know, every time we take communion, most of the message when we take communion are, are very much focused. Nothing wrong with this, but they're focused on how Christ's blood has paid the price for all my sin to be forgiven. And the only way I could be made right with God is that someone lived a perfectly right life to satisfy God's holiness. And Christ did that for me before he was crucified. And someone paid the price for all my failures, which Christ did on the cross. And we focus on that, but it's very individualistic. And if that was all communion was about, there would be only one element. We would only need the wine to remember the blood. 
that was shed for us. But in this, these elements, we have two. We have the wine, which represents his blood, which was shed for all my sin, that reconciles me to my Father. But we also have the bread, which represents his body. And as we take communion, yes, we, we, we give God thanks. We remember the incredible sacrifice that he gave for us, that he struck down his own son, that we could be made right with God. But we also remember his body. And as we take it today, I want us to reflect not only what Christ did for you by giving his life for you, but today... I want us to discern the body. Look at people around you. Are you living in the church like an island? New people come into the church. Do you know them? Are you connected? Have you discerned the body? Dis discern the giftedness in other people? Discern the needs in other people? It's very important that we do. Because none of us want to take this and bring judgment on ourselves. This is meant to bring blessing on us every time. Every time. So today, let's just pause. Bishop Joshua preached a wonderful word on Friday about forgiveness and having our relationships right and healthy. And as we take communion today, We'll first open the cup and we'll remember the death of Christ. That there's no way you could become right with a holy God through your own works, through anything you do, through your own service. It was only through the righteous life and death of Christ, shedding of his blood, that we come into a right standing with God. We celebrate that today. The blood of Jesus shed for you. Also, we discern the body. The body was torn that my body could be healed. But the body means more than that. We discern the body. As we take this little wafer today, I just want you to pause and ask yourself, am I too individualistic in my outlook? Am I connected to people? Do I know what other people are going through? Am I looking out for only my own interests, or am I truly also looking out for the interests of others? Have I become offended with someone in the body? Have I got unforgiveness with someone in the body? Have I become offended on someone else's behalf? Is my heart right, clean with every member of the body that I don't bring judgment on myself? As you take communion, what's so wonderful as there's only one person who can change the human heart. And he's alive and living at the right hand of the Father. As you take it today, if you know 
your attitudes. You may have an offense with someone hasn't been right. That will cut you off from the flow of the Spirit into your life. But as you take this, confess any wrong attitudes. Because we all are a work in progress. We all fall down sometimes. And actually, not only confess it, but believe as you take this wafer, his body, that he will touch your heart, he will cleanse your heart, and he will do a new work in your heart. If you know you're selfish, just say, God, I want to be interested. I want to genuinely have a heart that is interested and concerned, not only with my own blessing, but in the blessing and furthering of others. The body of Christ broken for you. Father, I thank you. You so loved the church. You so, you died to form the church. And your plan, A, B, and C, is the church. When you see all the world's events, your eye is always on the church. Because the church is the solution to all the problems. And Father, we would ask, Lord, for each and every one person here today, that you would so refine our thinking that you would bring us into that corporate, that collective understanding that you have and that your church would be so connected. Father God, there would be such love in the church that the world would look at your church and say, surely, this is the people of God. We bless you and praise you what you're doing in our lives. We bless you and praise you what you're doing in this season. Bless you and praise you for the changes that you're making so profoundly in the hearts of all, the testimonies that come each week, and it's real. We praise you because only you can do it. And all the people said, amen, amen. amen. Now, this man here, he has been such a blessing to us. If you were here on Friday night, my goodness, what, a, what, a, what an anointing there was here and what a work God was doing in the hearts of people. As the bishop connected forgiveness with healing, it was just such a, such a tremendous word. And uh, we are going to continue to support his ministry by giving money because he needs money in Africa to do all the things that God has called him to do. And if we can ever find the bags where the money is collected, we'll take up an offering <laughs> over there so, uh, so that we can continually just, can, we want to continue to support this man. He's got so many so many needs he sees in Africa, and there's only so many he can meet, but we want him to be able to meet more and more. And uh, I always say, you only have as much ministry as you have money. So please, just be generous to the bishop. This is a good opportunity to be generous. Um, I don't want to take your time today, bishop, because you, you have more revelation. And we, uh, we have so enjoyed what you've been bringing. You, you just come by. I just want to ask you a few questions as it's being, um, we're taking up the offering. Come on. <laughs> okay. You pick up the microphone. I'm just going to ask you a few questions so people can answer. So firstly, have you enjoyed your time here? Thank you. 
Have you enjoyed your time here? Oh, yeah, really very, very, <laughs> very much. I've been taken care of. People are so lovely. You know, I don't see stone faces. They all, I, I fall in love with them like Praise they have God. done to me. I, I really appreciate it. Praise God. And as we go, I, I just think we want to know a little bit more about, um, we live here in the West and we, as you can see, we've got the good roads, we've got schools, we've got hospitals, we've got... Tell us about the daily challenges you face by leading God's people. You know, you've got many churches you're over. What are the daily challenges you face as a bishop in Migori? Yeah, one of them is uh, transport. Uh, like, I have a second-hand vehicle, and uh, sometimes I have a worn-out tires, which, you know, keeps on getting punctured getting punctured. So roads are not uh, friendly. We have a dirt road and a lot of potholes. So during the rainy season, I really f uh, face it hard to move here for, from point one, point B, things like that. So it has been very difficult. Also, we face challenges of places of worship. Like uh, during rainy seasons, we find it very hard because most of our churches uh, meet on a, 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 a grass-touched houses or under trees. So that is also a challenge. And of course, the one that we talked about is the need that uh, is exhibited and quite conspicuous about uh, people, orphans, widows, things like that. So those are great challenges. Okay, now tell me what, tell us also some of the great things that God is doing in your city. My city, and even the nation, or even the yes, continent of Africa. I truly uh, want to be sincere that God has been working miracles, not because of my power, but because of His power. I've been seeing people getting healed, uh, women getting the ch children or families. You know, some people that are prayed for those are barren. Uh, you know, by the word of prophecy or word of knowledge. When I pray for them, they get healed uh, from malaria, typhoid, those types of diseases. I've seen God uh, literally doing that. And of course, again, a uh, miracle of salvation, true genuine repentance that brings salvation. That also I've seen uh, God, God working miracles. Also, when you are there, then I try to, you know, lower myself because your anointing is much higher. Uh, across <laughs> the sea, so. so you have done tremendous job by availing yourself, and God has really used you. Uh, like I, uh, I can count many, but there was a time that we were, you were preaching, and uh, you know the power went off, and uh, the only one uh, valve kept on, uh, uh, you know, uh, shining. And, but you didn't stop. You know, uh, this man can't stop whether it is raining or it is what. Uh, when it's flowing in the anointing, it, you know, we, we are African. We, we say we are hardened. Our body skin is hardened to our environment. So when a foreigner like him, when he comes, and he continue to do some marvelous things, like when he get an attack, but when he stands in the platform, miracles just happen, not only to the people, but also to himself. He gets encouraged, he gets energized, and he continues. So many miracles have happened when you come to my city and my nation, Kibera, Migori, 
and we are looking forward to other cities too. Amen. That wasn't really the question, but it was a good answer anyway. <laughs> but God bless you. We love this man. He is a, what I call a righteous oak in the kingdom. It's all yours, Bishop. Amen. Can we say amen? amen. Yes. Uh, uh, by this time, I know that everybody knows who I am. And uh, uh, for the sake of it, just let me repeat my name, Joshua Okini Amara. We have three names, Joshua Okini Amara. Uh, when the missionaries came to Africa, one of the things that they did was to change a name. Because now that you are a Christian, you must have a new name. So it, it, it has become uh, a kind of a tradition or culture. So my name is Joshua. Uh, that is a given name. And uh, Okini, which means I was born in the morning. And Amara, my father. So that is me, married with three children and one granddaughter, and I love God. Uh, before anything else, just let me say that I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful, and I am sorry that I have to go tomorrow. I have to go back to Africa tomorrow. I know that I'm going to miss you. I don't know about you, but I'm missing you already. You are lovely people. I just want to thank uh, Pastor Martin for uh, this awesome, awesome invitation that he extended to me. It came after we had had a long pause on our mission uh, communication and encounter. So it was truly the Lord that worked through him that I come, and I'm, I'm so grateful. I want to thank uh, Michael and his wife. If you look at me, you just don't want to ask, how are you doing? Because you see how I'm clean, how I'm healthy, they have taken good care of me. Uh, Julie is one woman who is very, very particular on her budget, or not really budget, but uh, uh, diet, diet. Yes, I have never eaten any uh, leftover. Things are just fresh. Uh, also, um, you know, I, I also have a pe peculiar character, though you can't know, but they have kept me well. They don't talk, but their action talks very much on me. I really thank you very much. I really thank those of you who have hugged me you know, extended, you are hugging. You, what do you call it? Hugging or hugging, hugging, whatever it is. Some of you have reached, literally reached, and made sure that you have hugged me. Uh, I have felt your love, and I really thank you very much. Above all, I thank God uh, who has enabled you people to be receptive uh, with the message that God gave to me as I was coming to Australia. Like I was saying, and I want to repeat it, that one of the message, one of the message that I've been commissioned from the depth of my heart to preach is forgiveness because it worked for me. It worked for me, and I'm just sorry because some books that I wrote, they got banned during the COVID-19. 
So, but maybe next time when I come, I will, I'm going to update them and republish them. So I will come with those books, and then you can take a number that you want and uh, can really help a family or anybody. I know from beyond any sort of doubt that the devil knew what these books were doing. That is why they were got banned. Because many that have read them, I'm not a, a, a prolific writer or whatever, but whichever sentence that is uh, uh, inscribed in that book has power. And I've seen it working. So thank you very much for taking that message of forgiveness. Can we all turn to our Bibles? And I'm going to read some few scriptures. You know, uh, these days, people don't like preachers who read a lot of scriptures. Have you noticed that? Many will complain that he reads a lot of scriptures. Why is it that he can just read one and preach? If you don't, if you are not interested in the word, then you don't know what you are missing. Yes, because sometimes the Holy Spirit can just give us some few verses. We read it and we say, can we pray? And we disperse. Because that is the word of God. So if there is a complaint, and or if you have heard somebody complaining about that, run away from such a person. <laughs> we are a word-based people. First reading is from Zechariah, Zechariah chapter, Zechariah chapter 9, verses 12. Zechariah 9, verses 12. Because I will be teaching and preaching at the same time, sometimes I might even ask, one person from the congregation to read a scripture for me. I know that maybe it cannot be a familiar or you're not used to that, but you cannot get used to the Holy Spirit. So whatever the Holy Spirit says, we can just do it, provided that it is not uh, an extraordinary thing from human mind or action. The Bible says, Zechariah chapter... 9, verses number 12. Turn you to the strongholds, you prisoners of hope. Even today do I declare that I will render double unto thee. I want to repeat it. Zechariah chapter 9. Verses number 12. Turn you to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today do I declare that I will render double unto thee. The declaration is made today for a total restoration. I will revisit that later. Act chapter 28, 
book of Acts, chapter 28, from verses number 1. Acts of the Apostles, chapter 28, verses from verse number 1. Somebody say, I got it. Are you there, really? Or your mobile phone has hanged. <laughs> Sometimes you're using your, you know, the electronic gadget. Sometimes they can fail you. They can hang until when you do whatever you want to do. They, you try to flip-flop. They don't work. That is why I like the written word. Somebody say amen. amen. The Bible says, and when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us everyone because of the present rain and because of the cold. You know, I, I, will, come, I will come to read the last one. But I feel itched in my heart that I want to explain some few things before they run away from my head. There is going to be a restoration. We need to be restored to our strongholds. Amen? We need God to restore us like we have come from the COVID-19 and some other uh, economic mess-ups. Some people are just coming out from family uh, that is uh, fractured or that is falling apart. Some people are just coming out from cognitive deficiency, things that are not working well. They cannot reconcile their mind and their soul or their spirit you feel like your heart wants you to do something, but at the same time, your head doesn't allow it. Have you ever been into a position where you say, I want to do it, but you know, my heart tells me not to do it. But in my mind, I'm totally convinced that this I should do. So you find yourself divided. This is what the Bible calls restoration. What did I say? restoration. So the subject of my uh, preaching today or my teaching is going to be prisoners of hope. Prisoners of hope keeping the faith alive. Prisoners of hope keeping the faith alive. What you need today is hope and faith. Nothing else. The world is so fractured that so many things are falling apart that you don't know whether you should be taking left or right. But I thank God for those of us who are here on Friday. We repented. We got our healing. Even if some of them were not instantaneous. But remember, God began a work. And he will accomplish it. It must be completed. Can I hear amen? So don't quench the fire that is littered. Uh, that is, you know, uh, 
Is it later or uh, that fire that is, you know, lit? <laughs> Praise the Lord. The fire that is lit in your heart. Don't quench it. Keep the flame burning. Because that is how faith works. I say it and I repeat, Romans chapter 1, verses 17. From faith to faith. From faith to faith. And that is why the just shall live by his faith. Amen. So we have begun a journey, and it is a journey of restoration. But you know what? We have to be prisoners. That is a very powerful word. That many of us does not, but here the Bible use it metaphorically to mean something, but we need to do. Anything that you want work for you must make you its prisoner. Listen to this. You cannot be a good philosopher without graduating. And before you graduate, you must be in school for maybe even 20 years. Before you move to a theater house to be operated, they must imprison you. You must be in a ward for a certain days that the doctor wants you to be there. It is not yourself now. You are under the command of a surgeon. If a surgeon says you are going to fast because you are going to be operated in a week's time or tomorrow, there is no question about it. You will only ask, can I drink the water or any juice? And if he says no, you will patiently wait because your operation is very important for you. If that is not being in prison, I don't know what it is. So we must be prisoners of God in order for God to use us. Make us his vessel. Many people want to walk with God, but the laws of God are not happy, are not good for them. They love a God that heals, a God that prospers, but they don't love a God that wants to take sin away from them. Because they think that they enjoy much sin than they enjoy the healing that they think maybe will be temporal. Ah, this is so difficult. But I want you to understand it. That for you to move in a way that you please your master, you must be a prisoner. It is a must. Somebody say it is a must. Paul himself called himself that he is a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Many scriptures in the New Testament. If you read, uh, I think it's Roman, uh, chapter, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1. I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. So many times he calls himself a prisoner. And I want to use this word not to take away your liberation. Some people think that they have been liberated and they have been liberated until they become liberal and that liberality has really defiled their course of life. 
you, a young man will tell you that it is my time, I'm enjoying the life, you know, and you tell them, do you know how quickly you will wear out there? Sometimes I tell them that look at the, the tire, the tire in the, in the, in the car. How, 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 how long can a tire last? That is what the world does because there is too much friction which can wear you out so fast. That, uh, but here, in the body of Christ, where Jesus has called us to be in, the Bible says, for God so loved the world. The world where people are running to from the church, they are running from the church to the world, that is a misconception, a misplaced role. You should be running away from the world to the church because Jesus went there before you to take people like us who are now in the church and we are telling you that good things are here than they are there. Can somebody say amen? amen. Even if you are not used to shout, shout for me for the last minute because I'm going home. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let me fill you because I want to fill you. Somebody say amen. amen. Good. The devil is embarrassed because he's trying to bring, you know, that uh, kind of uh, uh, humbleness, the caricature of humbleness, which is not there. Like I said before, some people are not humble. Drive with them in their car, and you will know that they are not humble. Very hyper. Look at that one. But when they come to the church, they don't want to shout because that is not ethical. You know, it is so primitive to make a noise. No. Sometimes you have to shout like Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. Make a shout that penetrates the commotion until Jesus, that they did not want to hear your prayers, stop and call you and say, Come! And then they will join you. They will join the chorus and say, oh, you are lucky. He is calling you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So what is hope? Hope works hand in hand with faith. You cannot have faith without hope. Because if you are not hoping, not hoping that you are jumping. But if you are not in the mood of hope, you cannot reach that destination of faith. This is where many people get challenged. I'm telling you, some people say, I hear faith is being preached. This is my 30th year in a church, but I don't know how to get it because I feel myself that I don't have that faith. You just don't know, but you should know that from the moment, like I said before, from the moment you believed to be a follower of Christ, the process of faith began in you. Amen. Can somebody say amen? amen? Faith is not something that you, you know, you switch it on and switch it off at will. That now I'm in charge, so I want, I want to have the truth. I want to have it. I want to have it. I want to, you will be so tense until you feel that you are sweating without doing any work. 
you need to get this right away. That is why I want to talk about hope and being a prisoner of hope, which is a relative of faith. And I want to set that mood because if you have hope and your hope is not dead, your restoration is guaranteed. Somebody say amen. amen. Your restoration is guaranteed. But once your hope is gone, count it done negatively. But once you feel that you still feel in its minutest way, you feel that um, I still have hope. I still have hope. Then there is your miracle. Like I said, I want to ask somebody to open very quickly uh, Romans chapter 4, verses 18. Please help me read. So fast, then we go so fast and uh, we pray together. I want to give you a top layer. This is so good. Top layer. That's very good. What does the Bible say? In whichever fashion you have. Chapter 18, uh, chapter 4, verses 18, Romans. Thus says the Lord. Somebody read it, please. Romans 4, 18. No, there is no 18. Just listen to that. Please, would you stand up, please? Read it again. Read it slowly. Who? What a contradicting statement. Who against hope and then believe another hope? What does the Bible say? Who against, repeat that to get it very clear. Who against what? Hope. Who contrary to hope, which is just against hope, in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. Abraham, he had two things. One is so divine according to the promises of God and another one is according to the flesh. The wife and anybody else said, Abraham, we are so old. We cannot have a child to inherit our inheritance. So please, would you take another wife? That is another hope that they banked on the flesh, on the child. That is another hope. We have hope in the world where they can tell you economy will be better. Things will be all right. You know, things like that. But still then, they promised us that when COVID started, they said, you should just have hope. Ah, uh, This thing is just a, a hairbone, whatever, begins from China. Then another week, they said, no, everybody get hope of living with this because it's not going to go away soon. And... Uh, Another, uh, uh, before a, a month or another month, they say doctors are working every night, you know, in their laboratory to check on how they can contain this. And the world became so 
confused. And some people say, we have lost it. We have lost hope. Because their hope was in the flesh. Their hope was not anchored in the divine. Their hope was anchored on the government. Their hope was not anchored on God who created heaven on earth. Amen. That is why Abraham had to develop another hope. So that the hope that he has must contrary, must be contrary, must fight another hope that is seen with naked eyes. Many people today, they rely on flesh. That is another hope. It is a hope that will die. But hope is so divine that it cannot die. Because the Bible says, we have Jesus, the hope of what? Glory. Somebody say, Jesus, the hope of what? Glory. Hallelujah. So Abraham believed. Why have you taken it so fast? Abraham believed. And whatever God said, he will do. And his strength as a man was restored. His strength as a patriarch of faith was restored. His covenant with God was restored and reaffirmed. And Abraham got whatever he wanted from God. Amen. So hope... Is ageless. Somebody say hope is ageless. Yeah, many people, you know, because you have hope in the flesh, that is why you say, I'm too old. You know, I'm too old. I'm waiting to die. I'm just waiting. You are not too old. How old was Sarah? 99. This is not a myth. 99. Stop quoting your age. We are not going to propose for you. So stop. Quoting your age. Nobody's busy with your age. Nobody's busy with my age. Quote what the Bible says. That contrary to what they say about me. That doctor said about me that I have two months to live. I still believed so that I become a father of hope. You can be a father of hope in Jesus' name. Scroll it. Scroll it again, please. There is somewhere there. I go, I go, scroll it, please, for me. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead. He did not consider. You know, when you're dealing with hope, coupled with faith, you don't count yourself worthy. But you count him who promised worthy. How he's going to perform it, that is his business. But you take your role, a role of believing that what God say is true and sure. Hallelujah. So if you want to keep your faith alive, have hope. Hebrews chapter 11 verses 1. The Bible says faith is, now faith is the evidence of things hoped for. Now faith is the evidence of things hoped for. Hope 
brings that which is not seen with naked eyes to be a reality. Because an evidence, an evidence and a substance are things that are tangible. Ah, somebody is in the room. Say hello. Hello. Praise the Lord. If somebody is in the room, say praise the Lord. Now faith is. Before that, because this is like a continuation of a sentence. Now, if we read uh, <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 10, verses 39, beginning from there, the Bible says that we are not among them that slid back unto perdition. We are not among them those who are drawing back eh? and make a shipwreck of faith. We are not among them. But we are among the people that have a, a faith for their saving soul. I don't know which. Ah, okay. Uh, thank you very much. Now, but... We are not among the, those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. We keep on believing. So it is better, it is better to fall this way in the church than to fall backward in the world. Yeah, hallelujah, glory to God. It is better, let me preach, let me repeat it again. It is better, it is better, much more better to face all the calamities in the church than to face them outside the body of Christ. That's why the Bible says, because those who are in the body, like the pastor was saying, those who are in the body, they have what we call a faith that keeps their soul alive. Even if their body is weak, even if they feel that their body is weak, their mind is weak, Cognitively, they're weak. Some are schizophrenic. Some are psychotic. Some have salad thoughts, raising thoughts. You know, they have been to a psychiatrist. They have seen whatever is needed to be seen. But then they suffer here because eventually God will be merciful on them. Hallelujah. Try, try this. And I know many of us maybe have tried. Try a doctor. For example, your blood pressure. Just that example. Or sugar. And you try a doctor. They will give you a paper of this thickness that contains thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not laugh too much. Thou shalt not get hungry. Thou shalt not touch sugar. Thou shalt not touch sweet. Thou shalt not touch meat. Thou shalt not do this. Thou shalt not. And then you become overwhelmed. Then you beget. You, you be, uh, that one also give birth. That one will give birth to what we call clinical depression. <laughs> clinical depression. Oh, my head, this way, that way, this way, that way. Because things are not adding up. Things are not adding up. But we are, um, 
We are not among them who draw back to perdition. We are not going to allow the devil to dictate us, to dictate to us on what to do. Glory to God. But we are going better be in the hand of God. Like in the same Hebrews that I say, chapter 10, verses 31. It is a fearful thing to fall in the hand of God. Hallelujah. A fearful thing to fall in the hand of God. Somebody fell asleep when Paul was preaching, called Eutychus. Because Paul preached too long. Yes, he preached too long because he wanted it to get done. You cannot control the Holy Spirit. So he decided just to sleep. But this man was breaking the ethics and morals of sleep. He was sleeping on a chair. He was sleeping with his shoes on. He was sleeping on his normal long trouser. He was sleeping in a meeting. And so he was sleeping near the window. And he fell from up to down. But because he was in the meeting, there was an emergency call. A distress call was made by Paul to God to intervene in this situation. And this man was healed. And he was raised from the dead. Somebody say amen. amen. That is why, why I'm saying that the carver that you have within the fellowship, if you want to be fully restored, don't say what fools says. You know what fools are saying? Fools are saying that now, because I'm offended, I'm going to leave anything to do with the church. That, that's when the devil wants to kill you. He will tell you that I'm done with anything to do with the church. I'm done. Whether it is called a Jesus church or Jehovah's church or a celebration church, I don't care. I'm done. If you are in such position, I'm telling you, the devil is isolating you to kill you. Because he will go to your account. And check, how many times did you embarrass me with your testimony in the church? How many years were you there? So you think I'm your friend. I, you have come. My work is three things. To kill, destroy. And another one is? Oh. Still, that is a profession. If you are in business with the devil, he must make sure that he gets all, whether it is gratuity, or it is dividend, or it is share. When you work with the devil and you invite him to your company, he must do three things. It is guaranteed, not my word. For Jesus said, for the devil comes not but to steal, to kill, to destroy. If you are with the devil and he's in your company and you give him a room, yes, Make sure that he will steal from you. And if you are clever enough, he will say, oh, you are smart enough. I want to kill you and take all your sayers. That's very sad. Glory to Jesus. So Abraham hoped against hope. 
And then he believed God and God worked for him. So it is hope that furnishes the ground for faith to take place. You must be a prisoner of faith. You must be a prisoner of hope. You must be a prisoner of faith. You must be a prisoner of hope. That is a must. Brothers and sisters, let me just tell you for free. This, is, this has been approved. You can serve God this side and you serve the devil on the other side. It is either you are fully submerged, you plunge yourself in the blood and you totally become covered. So that you are subjected to any rule and polity of the church or the body of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 2 from verses 1. The Bible says, and something like a mighty rushing wind came into that room and saw something like cloven of tongues came and sat over, sat where? Over sat upon each and every person, which means the Holy Spirit took control of any situation in that room and the Holy Spirit became a master. He became a master and he has all his prisoners. And that is why they spoke in tongues not as they wanted, but as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. And the Spirit gave them opportunity to become united. When we all have the Spirit of God, there will be no crack in between us. There will be no any gainsayers. Everybody will listen to whatever the Holy Spirit says. Like I said, and I want to repeat it to Sai here now. Hallelujah. I want to tell you for free. Nothing is achieved without being a prisoner of it. And the devil was so smart many years ago. And so something was called in, in Europe called democracy. Democracy was just to dethrone God from his position, his lordship, his leadership style. And so democracy came from Greek, went to America, and to all over the world. It, what really destroys the church today is the idea that is borrowed from the world. One of them is democracy. Democracy is just a Greek word towards democratia. Demoe means uh, God, and kratia means people. So people said, we are tired and we want to rule ourselves. We fire you at will, we hire you at will. We want to decide those who can rule us and if we are tired with them, we fire them, we hire another ruler. But in the church of Jesus Christ, we have this hope. We have this hope that if Christ is for us, who can be against us? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. If Christ be for us, who can be against us? That means that the Spirit did his work 
upon the church, and then we say we are a theocratic government. We are being governed by the Holy Spirit. Can we say amen? amen? We are not a democracy, we are a theocracy. If any be in Christ is a new creation, behold, all things have passed away. All new things have come. The church from America or in the West, now in Africa, is, is diluted. The tenets, the faith of the church, the hope, is taken away and restituted or things are working against it. Even if we are trying, people are trying, preachers are trying, things are not right. Because when we are in the church, we allow the spirit to work. But when we walk outside, anybody can do whatever they want to do. And anybody can speak whatever they want to do. And somebody can say in the body of Christ, and the body says this, and another person would say, I am a person of his mind. You know, if you cannot allow me to say my mind, then I don't want to be with you. That is all right, but I'm telling you, it is wrong. It is not biblical. What is biblical is the spirit should be one. God is one. Our baptism is one. Our Lord is one. One God, yes. One Lord, one baptism, one faith. Somebody say amen. amen. So I'm imploring you. I'm telling you. I'm asking you. I'm pleading with us, brothers and sisters, that if you need a restoration, if you need totally to God be to be in charge of your family, of your life, try this. Try him to, to take everything from you, and then he takes control. Anybody that is trying to fight you or want to kill you will kill God first before he kills you. And you know nobody can kill God. Hallelujah. No disease will come to kill you before he kills he who says you are healed in his name. I'm not saying that you're not going to die. But he's going to fulfill your days on earth. He's going to fulfill your days on earth. He's in charge. He is in charge. The problem is we take charge. We don't want to be prisoners. We don't want to be prisoners in the sense that we don't want to keep hoping what we don't understand. People say, no, that is foolishness. I can't keep on hoping on what I don't understand. I need, I am, I'm factual. I need, I need things that, you know, you explain it to me. If you cannot explain it to me, uh, then, you know, I don't want you are just, even people who are not teenagers are being very like teenagers. Teenagers want to know where, uh, <clears throat> who was, uh, who was the mother of, mother-in-law of Adam. Teenagers would want to know who was mother-in-law of Adam. Can you tell that? Who was the mother-in-law of uh, Cain? Can you? Those are teenage juvenile questions. But they stand, they stand before some people. And because we cannot answer them because that's too low. We can't stoop that low. They just say, I don't know the Bible, so I cannot be under you. You don't, you don't understand the Bible. Uh, that, that, that pastor don't understand the Bible, so I cannot be under you. Wrong. Very wrong. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. So we need to be prisoners of hope. Yes, God is leading us. He is leading us and we are following him. The Holy Spirit is here for us. I'm telling you in Revelation chapter 1 verses 10. Uh, John say, where I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. I was in the spirit on the Lord's hand. I saw and I heard. Until you become in the spirit, until the spirit takes your position and possess you, you feel like you are possessed with the Holy Spirit and you speak in new tongues. That is when you will hear things to ask, you will hear things to answer, you will hear things to say, you will know how to dance, you will know when to dance, you will know when to sit down, you will know when to stop, you will know when to talk, you will know when to pray. You will know when to sleep, but when you don't have those and your life is in under, under the supervision of your enemy, insomnia is right there. Depression is right there because those are the things that he will bring. But when you are under the roof of the Almighty, we are his captives. We are like Paul. Everything that we pray, everything that we need, he will do them. When we go to sleep, I say, I sleep like a log. I sleep like a baby because he is for me. But when I want to wake up or I want to wake up, I don't want to sleep, he will keep, he will keep me safe. Hallelujah. This happens even when I fly. When I fly, after eating, because I don't watch uh, TV or whatever, after reading maybe my Bible or some books, if I have, I go to sleep. I sleep. I don't care about turbulence, because if I die there, I, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhere near where the God is. <laughs> <laughs> but if there is turbulence, oh, 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 my pressure, oh, my what? No. He who keeps Israel slumbers not. God is for us. Now, let me conclude by Paul's case. The Bible says in Acts chapter 28, that I've just read and I've not finished it yet, that Paul was being taken to a place where he would... Uh, uh, face some charges and so they were in the middle of nowhere and there was a turbulence in the sea it was terrible Paul was in a place with others that nobody has ever been there before I want to tell you that their hope was gone but then he as a person he kept his hope alive when he was asked, some people wanted to escape, and he said, no, I am here. And he had the voice of God that says, nobody is going to die. God was with them. And that is why in 2 uh, in, uh, in, uh, 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 Corinthians, I guess, chapter 6 from verses 4, going onwards, he say he faced many things, casted down but not destroyed. He was not in despair. He died many times, according to his word. But he did not give hope. 
He did not give up believing. I'm telling you, some of us maybe you have lived for a number of years in this world. And maybe you can only count maybe five years in your life that you are happy. You've never been happy. You say you've never been happy. Some people say I've struggled with this for 20 years, for 30 years. I want to tell you, don't give up hope. Somebody say amen. amen. So when, when they landed somewhere in an island, which later on they realized his name is Melita, then it was so cold for them. Sometimes you can feel cold even if you have a heater in the home. Sometimes you can feel so cold that you feel like you want to burn yourself to feel some warm or warmth. This is what happened to them. And some strange people came for their rescue. The Bible says they are called the barbarians. These were people that were not speaking their language. And so these people lit a fire for them. And those things that they gathered that they should burn to get warmth from, there was a snake. If you have no fire of the Holy Spirit, even those people that you've gathered to help you, those who will be, you, are, you count them like destiny helpers. Hallelujah. Might come with some poison. They are helping you at the same time they are gossiping about you. Saying, oh, uh, who was calling? Oh, that is Sister So-and-so. We are tired with one testimony. I, I think Sister So-and-so should seek for medical attention. We have tried to pray for her. Uh, Brother So-and-so, we know his case. And it is the same thing that Paul faced in the island of Melita. So when the fire was burning... The snake came and grabbed his hand. A poisonous snake. Very venomous. People who were seeing him, they thought that this man was the main agenda of the devil. That is why these people wanted to be killed. It is him. They accused him. They point fingers at him. I'm telling you the truth. If you are not a prisoner of Christ, it is very easy for people to agitate you, to embarrass you with some accusations that are not normal. Your children, your husband, your wives, they can say some things. They can accuse you because of a calamity in your home. It is because of you, I told you. You didn't see it. You don't believe it. Now see it. And that is why many people today, they don't trust marriages. They want children, but they don't want women. They want children, but they don't want husbands. And if somebody is committed for a marriage, they say we have to sign a prenuptial agreement. What type of marriage is that? It is just like a snake that is biting you. Because when, when we will be breaking up, I must be very careful about my wealth. I don't want you to take it. 
it is like that uh, venom from that snake. But you know what Paul did. He shook it off. Hallelujah. He shook it off and he behaved as if nothing happened. Glory to Jesus. I want to ask you and I want to tell you if somebody is trying to embarrass you or your husband is trying to call you to a lawyer and you want to say, honey, we want, I want to break, I want a break, I want a break. You know, uh, in this world there is no mercy. The world where we live in, there is no mercy. Yes, even counselors that you go to to tell you how to live, how to make up your marriage, well, they will tell you, you need a pause. Would you break for a year? Then you come back to understand each other. Can Jesus do that? Jesus will never tell you to leave your husband for a year. It is in the world. Those are snakes in the fire. But the fire of the Holy Spirit is going to shift them out. Somebody say amen. amen. And he shook it off. And he continued enjoying the warmth of the fire. He continued with the hope that was in him. God who preserved us in the midst of nowhere is the same God that is going to take care of me. And the Bible says that at the end, these people say, oh, this man is a God. How many times that people that have overruled your destiny, later on they come to apologize and they say, we were wrong, please forgive us. Honey, I was wrong, baby, I was wrong. My daughter was wrong, my son, I was wrong. Forgive me, or my daddy, I was wrong, forgive me. I never thought it that way because things are now working and they are in the best position where they should have been originally. What am I saying? Yes, be a priest of hope. Keep believing. Keep believing. Keep believing. Never allow any situation, worse or bad, to intimidate you to live the faith. Keep on the faith alive. Hallelujah. Praise God. That is the message that I want to leave you with today. That keep on believing. Keep the faith alive. Be, allow God to take control over you. Allow him to take control over your situation. Economic situation, emotional situation, yes, family situation, relationship situation, allow him to take over. Allow him to take over. Just keep on hoping. Whether people have ruled you out, out, you are out. You have outdated faith, they say. Your faith is outdated. You are going nowhere. You will not amount to anything. You will be a failure. This is going to be a total fiasco. Oh, where will I put my head? This is a great embarrassment. No. Keep believing. Keep hoping. Keep God alive in your spirit. Hallelujah. May we all rise up in the presence of God. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. I want to pray for us that we keep this type of faith.
that Abraham became father of. And Abraham believed God. And Moses believed God. Even Rahab uh -huh, believed God. He had high hopes. That is why he hid the men of God. People would challenge her. They could have challenged her. We know you. You are a whore. You are rotten to the core. You are not even worthy to welcome the people of God in your home. But she did it. And then she got pages in the holy page of the Bible. But Rahab believed God. And that was counted for her. I'm not telling you that continuing in that situation, sin situation is, bad, is good. No. But I'm saying keep hope alive. Be somebody that hopes something. Not in the hand of a man. Don't keep hope in your profession or in your business or in your family. Just keep hope in God and you will work it out. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let us pray before I ask Pastor Betty to come over. Almighty God, thank you, Father, for this hope that has really taken us captive. I yield myself to be a captive, the more, because it is working for me and it's going to work for us. I pray for each and every person in this room. Lord, that you might work in their heart, work in their family. Pluck away any type, any, any seed of doubt. Yes, anything that does not in line with your biblical principle. You are telling us to hope and have this hope and have this faith. I thank you for each and every person and for doing that which is right. Lord, I'm praying for somebody that already given hope and is harboring that suicidal spirit. I cast it out in Jesus' name. I seek every negative things, seek them away like Paul did to that venomous uh, snake. Anything that might bite us to change our heart level so that we cannot believe you, Lord, we seek it off. And I refuse it on their behalf in Jesus' name. Thank you, Almighty God, for doing so. And so I pray, and so shall it be in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You know, there's a, you, there's a radicalness to walking with God that brings the breakthrough. And I always say, I've said many, many times, you know, real faith believes the promise of God, the word of God. That's your plan A, it's your plan B, it's your plan C. And you do not have a what-if rope. You know, you do not have any t alternative to God's promise. You become, as he was saying, a prisoner of hope. And a prisoner of hope is a prisoner of God's promises. And I was just thinking as he was preaching, you know, uh, it was impossible for Israel when in their captivity to get back to Jerusalem. It's impossible because they were held by the world's greatest superpower. But what brought their deliverance, what brought the supernatural breakthrough was that there was a man called Daniel who had discovered the promise of God in the prophecy of Jeremiah. And he read that after 70 years, 
they would be freed. And he didn't listen to Nebuchadnezzar. He didn't look at the power of of, uh, Babylon. He simply took that word and said, the word of God is faithful. And he became a prisoner of that promise and he prayed and he trusted it and he moved in it and he walked in it. And sooner or later, God brought someone from outside to destroy Babylon. It was all supernatural. It was all a work of God. But it was because someone believed the word of God, trusted in the word of God alone. You know, I just feel there's a, there's a response to people today that maybe you, with all this COVID, people have been saying in the whole situation, you can't believe in the Word of God. You can't take shelter under the shadow of God's wings and be protected. You've got to trust in all these other things of man. God wants you to get back into that place where you trust in God, His Word, His promise, A, B, and C. That you know you do not need the things of the flesh. You do not need the strategies of government. You just need to get right, stay right, walk right with God. Amen. Amen. There is a radical core of believers who look to God and fear sin alone at this moment that God is raising up. So maybe you need to just get the thinking of the world out of your mind, out of your system, out of your spirit. You know you're falling back in some way. And if that's you, I want you to come. I want you to come. God's going to do a work. Remind you of his faithfulness and to remove all double-mindedness from your spirit and your mind. Amen. Let's praise me. If you want to come forward, just come forward today. Holy Spirit will deal with you. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and start to praise him because he is faithful. His promises, they are yes and they are amen. Amen. Bishop, will you come and pray for some people, please?